Training's hard. Really, really hard. It is OU week. Just a few days away from Texas, Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl. Welcome back to another podcast, the Winning is Hard podcast. Cameron Parker, Wes Scott Eberts, getting you all set for another showdown. And Wes Scott, I've watched the tape, looked at the stats, and I think Oklahoma is a bad football team, but you tell me. They've certainly been playing uh, bad football the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I think to deal with, um, you know, this rivalry game is that uh, typically you just kind of throw previous results um, out the window. And I think that's um, a little bit of an unfortunate development uh, this year, as opposed to past years when, you know, Oklahoma came in as seemingly a, a pretty clearly superior football team, um, you know, this year, uh trying to bounce back from a loss to Kansas state, a uh, really bad loss to TCU. They played extremely poorly in that game and uh, had a lot of injuries as well. So uh, some real question marks about who's going to be available for the Sooners on Saturday. Yeah, we can start with the injuries there, especially at quarterback. I think going into Saturday's game, it's really the first time Texas has had the edge at quarterback over OU since Colt McCoy. Um, it's been a while. Yeah, maybe um, I guess 2014, they wouldn't have been good enough when Trevor Knight was there. It's certainly uh, been quite a while. Um, you know, even the Cole McCoy years, I was pretty close with yeah. uh, Sam Bradford, um, you know, knocked out in, in one of those games. Uh, so Texas certainly had the edge after that, after, um, you know, Bradford had that shoulder injury on a hit from Aaron Williams. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh you know, Dylan Gabriel was knocked out of that game last week, took a really pretty ugly hit, um, had his head bounced off the turf there in TCU pretty badly on a, um, you know, play that resulted in the ejection of, of the defensive player for TCU. Um, you know, uh, Gabriel was sliding on that play. And I think, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of malicious intent, judging by the reaction from um, that TCU player. But, um, you know, looks like a, a, a concussion pretty clearly. And, um, you know, you'd hope that though you medical staff would do the right thing and, and really, you know, probably hold them out. Um, there hasn't been a lot of information come out since then. Um, you know, as coaches are want to do, Brett Venables uh, really hasn't shared a lot with it. But, you know, in all likelihood, Texas is going to be um, playing against OU second or third string quarterback on Saturday. It also comes on the heels of the Tua Tagovailoa injury that has kind of, you know, rocked the nation and caused a lot of uproar. Um, the concussion doctor who kind of discovered CT is urging Tua to retire. So this is all kind of happening at a time that you think Oklahoma would be super careful with Dylan Gabriel. Uh, Fenable said on Tuesday, he had three quarterbacks will take practice reps. Um, Davis, Bitbeville, Nick Evers, and General Booty. Um, for our sakes, I hope it's General Booty on Saturday. I wish we had Gus Johnson calling the game so he could be yelling Booty out every five seconds. Um, I watched a little bit of Davis Bevel's snaps on Saturday, and when he played for Pittsburgh, he's a Pittsburgh transfer. Basically, the only game he really played in was against Michigan State in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. But his snaps against TCU Westcott, I noticed the first five plays when he came in, Levy called five run plays, and then his first passing attempt, he took a sack. And in the four passing attempts that I watched in that first half, it was sack, Incompletion, incompletion, and sack. And Bavel, he's six foot five, 
listed at six foot six on some websites. He's a big guy, but he's not very mobile. And the drop off from Dylan Gabriel to him is pretty significant. So I'm curious whether or not it will be fulfilled if Gabriel can't go Saturday. But I wouldn't be surprised that we're going to see maybe Nick Evers or another quarterback come in. Yeah, I think Evers, um, you know, certainly the youngest of that group, um, the highest upside. Uh, Booty is a guy who transferred in from Tyler Junior College, so he's a little bit older. But uh, Davis Bevel certainly didn't look very good in that game. Uh, ended up taking three total sacks. He was only six of 17 passing for 50 yards. So he really struggled in that game when he came in. Uh, but quarterback's not the only injury for Oklahoma. Heading into Saturday's matchup, running backs Eric Gray and Marcus Major a little bit banged up. Starting offensive tackles, Wanya Morris and Anton Harrison are banged up. Safety Billy Bowman, the former Texas commit who played with Jatavian Sanders at Denton Ryan, who also uh, notably got stiff-armed by Bijan Robinson um, on that iconic run last year. He got banged up early in the game on a kickoff return. He's extremely dynamic in that area. Uh, that seemed to be a, a big loss. Um, you know, Oklahoma was able to overcome it. They had a couple of good um, kickoff returns with uh, Jalil Farouk, who came in and replaced Bowman, but they really struggled at safety. Um, and then another safety, Damon Harmon, um, who's had some back issues in the past. He was uh, taken off the field on a backboard uh, when he was trying to make a tackle. Um, he may or may not be available. So, um, you know, a lot of a lot of delta there um, in terms of what this Oklahoma team could look like. Uh, depending on, you know, how many of those players are available, even beyond Gabriel, who, uh, you know, we certainly expect to be out. The stats show that TCU ran the ball all over Oklahoma's throw. I think it was 8.8 yards per carry. But in that first half, really, TCU attacked Oklahoma through the air, and they really picked apart the Oklahoma secondary. In that first half, they were called for three defensive pass interference, two on Woody Washington, the sophomore cornerback. And there was one on another play where I think it was Trey Morrison came out and just obliterated a TCU wideout about a second before the ball even touched his hands, which could have been a fourth one. It ended up being a punt. But it seems like Texas can really start off by attacking Oklahoma secondary that without Billy Bowman, who I think is their best defensive back, are going to be in trouble. Yeah, Bowman, definitely their their best defensive back. Um, just kind of uh, poor technique from the Oklahoma defensive backs. Uh, this issue that that we talk about so much uh, with guys being able to, when they're in phase with a wide receiver, being able to turn, find the football. Um, Oklahoma defensive backs weren't doing that at all. They're in phase, and they were not even, even necessarily trying to play through hands, but just – being a, extremely physical, tackling players, hitting them before the, the ball got there, as you mentioned. Um, you know, poor discipline, poor technique there. Um, I would expect Texas uh, to go after those guys. I, you know, Xavier Worthy gets open uh, so frequently that I, I don't really think that, you know, any of the Oklahoma defensive backs are even going to be close enough to interfere with them. Uh, certainly not pass interference. You know, maybe uh, might be able to, to hold them as he goes by if they can get that close. Um, but I think Texas would be well served, maybe, um, you know, taking some shots. Uh, Casey Kane, you know, Jordan Whittington um, are, are the two prime candidates uh, to maybe have some of those uh, plays that, you know, Oklahoma struggled with, but, you know, also some just some huge coverage busts from the Oklahoma secondary as well. Um, 
There was one play, uh, Tay Barber, early in the game. Yeah. Uh, midway through the first quarter, 73-yard touchdown pass from Max Duggan. Oklahoma had a safety who bit up on the running back who looked like he was uh, responsible from Barber. He went running behind. Uh, similar play in the second uh, second quarter, Gunnar Henderson, 62-yard touchdown pass from Max Duggan. I mean, you're talking about a guy that started his career at Incarnate Word, spent a year at AM outside of football, and now is put on scholarship at TCU who's running free in the Oklahoma secondary because they're just flat out uh, busting coverages. And I don't know if that's necessarily poor communication and they don't know the play call or they're in the wrong coverage or they're just completely losing their mind and, um, you know, not playing their assignment, but uh, just some, some really shocking uh, breakdowns from the Oklahoma secondary in that game. And, um, you know, they're, about as bad as I can remember any Oklahoma secondary looking um, in any game that I can recall. Yeah, not just the blown coverages, but missed tackles too. There was an abundance of missed tackles throughout that game for Oklahoma. And coming into this game, you know who leads the Big 12 in broken tackles forced? Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson. He has, I believe that he has more, according to PFF, than um, any other 66, school has. right? Yeah, no one else uh, as a team even has that many. Uh, forced missed tackles, uh, 20 missed tackles from Oklahoma. A lot of them uh, coming from that secondary, really struggling uh, to get guys to the ground. Brent Venables said that, you know, he didn't necessarily think it was an effort issue, uh, but, you know, even in the running game as well, uh, some major problems in that game, uh, 41 carries for 361 yards and five touchdowns on the ground, 8.8 yards per carry. Four total plays given up, uh, touchdowns of more than 60 yards. Max Duggan had a 67-yard uh, touchdown run. Kendra Miller had a 69-yard touchdown run. Duggan had another run of, um, I think it was maybe 37 yards or so on a, on a quarterback draw. Uh, you know, obviously some of that, you know, Texas isn't going to be able to replicate. They don't use Hudson Card in the quarterback run game and certainly don't for Quinn Ewers. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian doesn't believe in that. Um, so they'll attack it from a little bit uh, different way with run pass options um, instead of quarterback reads. Uh, but really just um, some real breakdowns in technique as well uh, from Oklahoma. You know, uh, poor assignment, poor run fits on a lot of plays. Uh, really, you know, Duggan um, on his run um, had a safety take a bad angle after he got past the line of scrimmage. Uh, Justin Broyles, I don't know what he was looking at. Um, the tight end, I think it was Jared Wiley, the Texas transfer, uh, was blocking him on the play. And after Duggan had already pulled the ball, he was still, you know, looking inside and, and moving inside and just ran himself out of the play. Poor angle um, from the safety, didn't have enough speed to be able to, uh, you know, tackle Duggan. He reached over 21 miles an hour on that play. So he was really moving. But, um, you know, based on, on the run defense from Oklahoma, uh, they gave up 275 yards rushing against Kansas State the week before. Four touchdowns in that game on uh, 49 carries. Uh, so the Oklahoma run defense really struggling. Uh, you know, possible opportunity for Bijan Robinson to really have a, a breakout game. You know, Texas is struggling in run blocking right now. Uh, worse than the Big 12, according to PFF. Uh, number one in pass blocking. So they've been been doing well in that area, but really. Um, you know, a sharp dichotomy between uh, the run 
blocking and the pass blocking right now for Texas. And, you know, like everyone else on the schedule, I would expect Oklahoma to really, um, you know, load that box. They tend to play their linebackers, um, you know, really shallow about two or three yards off the line of scrimmage behind the defensive line, uh, kind of unusual in the spread era. Um, that allows them, you know, to get downhill really quickly and uh, makes it difficult for uh, offensive linemen to really get to the second level and block them. Uh, but at the same time, uh, with how their secondary has been tackling, you know, if, if uh, Bijan Robinson can get past that defensive front for Oklahoma, um, you know, with their some of the poor angles and, you know, not really playing as fast as it looks like they could. Uh, some possibility for some big plays for Texas. And, you know, one play in particular that I would look out for um, that Oklahoma had struggled, uh, had some trouble um, defending is um, going with, uh, you know, nobody to the boundary and uh, running, you know, uh, TCU likes to run um, counter plays and really get some of their offensive linemen matched up against the cornerback to that side and then a safety um, or a nickelback. Um, Texas doesn't really like pulling their tackles as much. They tend to prefer to uh, run pin and pull, uh, pulling sometimes the uh, a guard and, and the center, Jake Majors, uh, sometimes both guards. In the Wildcat, that was, um, you know, play pin and pull that um, they ended up scoring that long touchdown on Bijan Robinson's run against uh, UTSA. So, you know, I would expect for Texas to to try to run that a few times and, uh, you know, some some real big play possibilities um, in the running game, but, you know, also in the passing game, if, if Oklahoma is going to continue to bust coverages. Bill Connolly from ESPN mentioned on Twitter that Oklahoma has speed, but watching them live, they just felt like they were slower against TCU. And I don't know if you picked up on that in that first half, Westcott, but against TCU, they were running jet sweeps and, and kind of quick plays to the flats, trying to get the ball in their playmakers hands. And it felt like TCU was just swarming them. Yeah, TCU certainly, you know, playing uh, much faster. Uh, Dylan Gabriel had some accuracy issues as well. Yep. Uh, mechanical breakdowns. Um, I don't expect that to come into play since, um, you know, there there's no good reason for him to be on the football field at the Cotton Bowl in, in the game with his helmet on. Um, but, you know, he was struggling uh, with his accuracy. Uh, TCU was playing um, you know, at, at a high level defensively. But, you know, the other thing about Oklahoma is that um, but I don't think that they have the depth and the talent um, that wide receiver that they've had in the past. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Mims, very talented player, uh, made some, you know, insane catches against Texas last year. But, um, you know, their offensive line also isn't, you know, of the quality that it was a couple years ago. And so, um, you know, everything's a little bit more difficult. One thing that Texas will have to watch out for that players and, and Sark mentioned on Monday is the tempo. They play at an extremely uh, quick tempo a lot of the times. I'm not sure if they, you know, will really want to do that if they have a backup quarterback in the game. Uh, but that's certainly the MO for Jeff Levy. Uh, has those has that Baylor background. Um, you know, also has some kind of air raid routes as well. So a little bit of a kind of a hybrid offense there, uh, molding some of those influences. Um, but, uh, you know, I think just the, the wide receiver core isn't going to be as threatening as, as what Texas has faced in the past. And uh, the quarterback play, I think, uh, is going to be a real big question mark for Oklahoma. And looking more into their their defense, they give about 5.8 yards per play, which is 71st in the nation. 
50% of the plays against them, they give up over four yards. 29% go for seven or more yards, which is 29th or 79th in the country, excuse me. And then 20% of their plays go for 10 plus yards, which is 106th in the nation. Meanwhile, Texas is one of the most efficient offenses in the nation. So regardless if it's Hudson Card or Quinn Ewers at quarterback, it feels like Sark will be able to move the ball at you know at his will against Oklahoma because we saw it again. We saw it last year against them, and they scored what forty eight points. I don't see why they can't do it again this year, even even if it is Hudson Card. Yeah, I don't think that this Oklahoma defense is is as good as it was last year. Um, you know, some other ways that I think Texas will, you know, really want to attack Oklahoma. I thought, you know, some of the um, the two back sets that Texas was running uh, were really effective. They were able to get Roshan Johnson open on wheel routes on two occasions. Um, you know, one of them probably should have gone for a touchdown. Uh, Roshan had to had to dive and, and make that catch. Um, and then another one was an even, you know, more poor pass from card that ended up falling incomplete, but, you know, they were getting open on those plays. They were also running um, a wide receiver screen where they were getting, you know, multiple players out, kind of getting a, a combo block, you know, on one player and then trying to work uh, to the second defender coming in that they had some success with. So I think if, you know, Texas can get the, you know, the ball, um, you know, in space to Xavier Worthy, to Jordan Whittington. And I think they'll have success with those guys being able to break tackles, blow up angles from the suspect Oklahoma secondary. Um, and I would expect Jatavian Sanders to also be a big part of that passing game as well, uh, working some of the run pass options to him. Offensively for Oklahoma, Pretty strong. Actually, probably the strongest part of this team, surprisingly, with Brent Venables as the head coach. You would think it would be defensive-minded, but instead, six offensively in FEI efficiency, about 3.2 yards – I'm sorry, 7.2 yards per play, which is 10th in the nation. Average nearly four points per drive, which is 17th in the nation. But if Dylan Gabriel can't play, and like you mentioned, there's probably no reason for him to be playing if he did suffer a concussion – you were talking about Eric Gray already being injured. Marcus Major, not really that deep at running back already. It feels like Oklahoma does not have the playmakers to make up for Dylan Gabriel not playing, whereas Texas, even without Quinn Ewers, they still have Bijan. They still have Xavier Worthy. They still have Jatavian Sanders. So it feels like I mentioned this might be the first time Texas has the edge at quarterback. I think they have the edge at playmakers, too. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, Javante Barnes, a freshman running back, looks pretty dynamic for Oklahoma. He's um, averaging over five yards per carry, but, you know, certainly not very proven. Only 44 carries, uh, two touchdowns in his college career so far. Um, and then, you know, as we talked about with the, the wide receiver position, um, Marvin Mims, 22 catches, 438 yards, three touchdowns. Um, after that, no one else has more than 200 yards receiving for Oklahoma right now. Braden Willis did have a big play. Um, I believe it was on a crossing route that he took uh, for, I think, about a 70-yard touchdown. Let me look and see how how long that play was for him. Against TCU or? Yeah, against TCU. Sorry, that was – yeah, it was a 78-yard play. Uh, came up just short of, of um, you know, scoring a touchdown on that. I think that is – it was a – 
you know, the pass was completed over the middle. I think that's an area where, you know, Texas has struggled, um, especially with their linebackers being able to uh, play in pass coverage. So Braden Willis is a guy that, you know, has some um, impressive explosiveness for a tight end. They'll have to be able to keep track of him. Uh, but Davis Belleville, I think, you know, just struggling with his accuracy so much, struggling to get the ball out on time, issues protecting him. You know, he averaged 3.1 yards per attempt in that game, had a 4.1 QBR. Uh, so just a really poor performance uh, from Belleville, just not able to get anything going offensively after he replaced Dylan Gabriel. And that puts um, Oklahoma in a, a really tough position this weekend. Yeah, and that's why I would not be surprised to see Nick Evers or General Booty play in that game because uh, there's I don't see how Oklahoma could win this game. But this is the part where we talk about it goes beyond the stats, right? This is the Red River showdown for whatever reason, no matter how bad the other team might be on the other side. It's been a close game the last seven years. The last seven Red River showdowns have been a one-possession game. The only Texas OU game that was not in the past seven years was the 2018 Big 12 title game in which Texas lost by 12 points. So, Westcott, you've been around this rivalry a lot longer than I have. What is it about this game that no matter how outmatched Texas might be, or in this case, Oklahoma might be, that makes it such a tight game besides it just being a robbery game. I think the atmosphere at the Cotton Bowl, um, you know, has a significant impact on that as well. The momentum can swing so fast from one side of the stadium to the other, uh, depending on who's making a play. Texas, you know, certainly saw that in the 2008 game, the 45-35 win. Texas got down 14 nothing early in that game. Uh, Jordan Shipley had a touchdown return, um, uh, a kickoff return for a touchdown in that game, really swung the momentum from Texas uh, for Texas in favor of Texas. Uh, last year, it was momentum swinging in favor of Oklahoma. And, you know, Sark said this week that he thought that his team lost composure in some of those moments. And I think just the, the nature of those swings with the 50-50 split and just the intensity of, of fans in that game is something that's, you know, really unrivaled in, in college sports. And so um, that means that the uh, the swings in momentum can be unrivaled in that game and happen so quickly and, and so decisively um, that it really doesn't look like anything else that, that you see. And so I think, um, you know, if there's any turnovers in this game, you know, that will certainly uh, play a big role. You talked about on, on Monday, Anthony Cook said he, he thinks that the turnovers are going to start coming into in abundance for Texas. Um, that's something that that they just haven't been able to um, create this year yet. They're, you know, forced a couple fumbles, haven't been able to. Uh, recover any they've been able to have defensive backs get their hands on some footballs have only been able to come up with the two tipped interceptions that were returned for touchdowns um, Oklahoma so far has been good offensively limiting turnovers they've lost two fumbles this year haven't thrown an interception so they have a plus three turnover margin um, they haven't forced a ton uh, two fumbles gained three interceptions um, but you know certainly uh, those turnovers are, are magnified um, in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, and Dylan Gabriel, to his credit, 11 touchdowns and zero interceptions. That could be a huge turning point in this game if Texas can find a way. I think 
If it is Bevel, I think Texas will find a way to get a strip sack. I'm feeling some Brian Robinson, Roderick Wright vibes. Now, I've been drinking the Kool-Aid in this podcast so far, Wes Scott. Now on the other side, in neutral games and road games under Sark in a very short sample size, small sample size, Texas is one in six, right? We include last year's OU game, which they lost. And then, of course, the only road victory they've won in Big 12 play and overall is against TCU. Is there something to maybe Texas just not being prepared or ready for these road games? You mentioned Sark talking about he felt like Texas lost their composure in the Cotton Bowl. Is this just a now we're past just, you know, one or two times it's happening, but it seems like Texas has not really been composed in any of these road games. I mean, they, they look good to start against Texas Tech, but kind of fell down in, the, in that second half. Yeah, I think that's a significant concern about whether some of those issues last year are going to continue to bleed into this season. Um, certainly, you know, the Texas Tech loss was uh, not a good data point. Um, in support of the growth of this Texas football team. I do think that they are more mentally tough. I think that the team culture has improved uh, this season, but, um, you know, they still have to prove it in a, in a difficult environment. They haven't been able to do it in road games. Um, they weren't able to maintain the lead last year. Uh, that big lead that they had, I think it was 28 to three in that game before Caleb Williams came in and really led that comeback for the Sooners. So, you know, until, until we really see that from the Longhorns, it's a huge question mark. And um, it's a huge question mark uh, for Steve Sarkeesian in his tenure as well. Yeah. Caleb Williams is not walking through that tunnel. Uh, neither is Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts or Baker Mayfield. Well, Baker might be cut by the Panthers by the time this comes out. So <laughs> may, maybe he has some eligibility left. But am I for, – for those Texas fans who – because I've now seen it on Twitter where it's like we're looking at the stats, we're looking at everything. It, it seems like Texas should win this game. Now, Is what's the other side of this? What's the devil advocate side of this, Westcott, that Oklahoma can find a way – to win this game outside of it just being, well, it's the Red River showdown. Is there, is there anything to it? Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, Oklahoma could kind of try to replicate the the game plans of, you know, Texas tech and, and UTSA. I think um, it's just difficult for me to talk myself into that uh, with the quarter type of quarterback play that they're likely to receive. Um, I think maybe their best bet, you know, would be to go with the, the high upside guy of, of Nick Evers and throw him into the mix and see if he can create some of that Caleb Williams uh, type of magic that happened last season. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, like you just alluded to, that the quarterback play for Oklahoma is going to look a lot different than it has in recent years. And so, um, you know, it's just – it's really hard to – um, you know, see a pathway to victory for Oklahoma in this game that doesn't involve some just absolute chaos and uh, really, you know, whoever's at quarterback just, um, you know, playing out of their mind to an extent that um, is just uh, hard to even um, imagine right now sitting here on a, on a Tuesday night. Yeah, the more we talk about it, the more I think that Venables and Levy will have to turn to Nick Evers, uh, six foot three dual threat quarterback. So he can hurt Texas with his legs, which has pr- shown to be a little bit of a problem this season. We saw Donovan Smith be able to run a little bit against Texas. Frank Harris 
Bryce Strong had a couple of big runs. Davis uh, Bevel, I don't think he's going to be outrunning any Texas defensive players in this game, but uh, you never know. Um, but it does seem like we might see that Caleb Williams type spark if things do get out of hand early on. Yeah, Nick Evers, uh, top 200 prospect in the 2022 class, uh, top 10 quarterback, top 30 player in the state of Texas. Um, you know, talented, talented guy, but, um, you know, certainly as a recruit, you know, not on the level of uh, Caleb Williams. Predictions or anything else you want to touch on first? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think Texas is, is able to win this game. Um, I think they're able to win it by more than a touchdown, which would um, make it a little bit of an outlier in this uh, recent rivalry. But, you know, I think Oklahoma just too banged up, struggling too much in the secondary. And I think that Texas, um, you know, has a really significant advantage in the uh, skill position talent. So, um, you know, I don't know if Quinn Ewers is going to play. I think he has a good shot to be able to make his return. But, you know, even if it's Hudson, Hudson Card, you know, if he plays the same way that he has the last couple of weeks, um, that will be enough for Texas to win this game. Yeah, we didn't even really mention it, but um, it's been reported by a few Texas websites now that Quinn Ewers is trending towards playing on Saturday. I don't know if we're going to hear from Frenables or from Sark about who's going to be their starting quarterback until probably the morning of, but um, I think it would be a huge boost for the team. If yours does play against, I think if yours does play, I think, cause the line right now is Texas minus seven, which is, I can even wrap my head around it. West Scott. I don't even know the last time Texas has been favored to beat Oklahoma. Yeah. 2008. Yeah. I think it's been a while. I mean, I was, you know, sitting, you know, same place I am last night, just kind of contemplating it. And, um, you know, Texas coming in as, uh, you know, such a fairly significant favorite, even though they're sitting at three and two heading into the Cotton Bowl um, is, is kind of shocking, actually, given how good Oklahoma has been um, in recent years. Uh, I think they're, you know, not close to the level that they have been at. And I think that gives Texas a big opportunity to pick up, you know, a signature win, uh that Steve Sarkeesian hasn't been able to notch yet. And I think just the, um, you know, the competitiveness, uh, the competitive greatness of, of Quinn Ewers, um, if he gets, if he's healthy enough to play and has a chance to show it, you know, I think it really show up in this game uh, the same way it did in the first quarter of that game against Alabama before he got hurt. Yeah. And talking about the line in 2018, the, the Dicker, the kicker, game texas was a seven point underdog so it has to be back to the colt mccoy days since texas was favored um but i think with the injuries and the talent discrepancy on both sides was just two wild statements it feels like maybe the tides have turned for texas and sark because it always felt like going in this game there were texas always been dealing with more injuries than oklahoma must win is kind of thrown around in this industry a lot probably a little bit too much I think we even talked about it against West Virginia, but this is has to be a must win for Texas and Sark, right? With all the injuries Oklahoma's facing, with how bad they looked the last two weeks, and where the, where Texas is at right now in a Big Twelve conference that, even with you know TCU and Kansas two and zero, it's still wide open. Yeah, um, I don't know if I want to say must win, but it would be massively disappointing for Texas not to take advantage of an Oklahoma team that is, uh, you know, reeling right now and has some major weaknesses. 
before we wrap up, what you've been to the Cotton Bowl, you've been to this game, you've watched since when, when, when was the first Red River showdown you you attended? Oh man, it was 04, unfortunately, that 12 nothing loss. Okay. Real, real quick before I ask my next question, uh, Brent Venables, by the way, four and four as the DC for Oklahoma against Texas. If you want to throw in when he was the co DC with uh, the Mike Stoops, I think uh, they went three and one, I think, with him. But when he became the DC, it was four and four, and 04 was that first year. What's been your favorite Texas OU memory? The 2005 game, for sure. Um, I think just uh, – and the Jamal Charles touchdown run, he just kind of got lost in a in the offensive line and then exploded through it for an 80-yard touchdown run. Um, and the Brian Robeson hit on uh, Red Bomar, who was just splattered around that field. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Rod- Roderick Wright picked up in return for a touchdown. I think probably those two moments and then uh, the next day – you know, reading the paper, the Oklahoma, and there maybe, you know, three or four shots of, of Rep Bomar just uh, taking huge hits in that game. And, you know, so after the, you know, the 2003 blah loss, the disappointment of, you know, that just super ugly 04 game, uh, man, that 05 game was just really cathartic and, and one of my favorite uh, Texas football memories of a game that I've seen in person. Bijan's got to be due for a Jamal Charles like touchdown run this game, right? With how with how porous the OU run defense has looked. Yeah, I think, you know, if the offensive line, you know, on a couple plays can can give him that crease, uh he's capable of doing the rest. And um, you know, that Oklahoma secondary uh just really struggling to get guys to the ground right now. They need to just do what Max Duggan did on Saturday. I think Max Duggan is the Kirk Cousins. Of college football one that he's super mediocre but also kirk cousins is just known for just launching it deep and drawing a pass interference call because he's had justin jefferson adam thielen and stefan Diggs as wide out i think hudson card or quinn yours just do take do that just launch it deep and really test these ou cornerbacks because they sh- they showed no discipline no turning around whatsoever there was multiple no calls that arguably could have been called but you know, we, we've seen some really bad refereeing over the past uh, few games. Um, Cotton Bowl, Texas State Fair. First thing you do when you get to the Texas State Fair, do you order food? What's your item? Or do you, you go to amusement ride? What does West Guard Eberts do when he gets to the Texas State Fair? This this is probably going to sound awful. I don't have I don't have a tradition. I'm not a big not a big uh, corn dog person. Oh, uh, I'm just uh, I'm very I'm very business like man. I show okay. up, I show up, and I'm I'm ready for some football. Whether I'm whether I'm working or there in the stands as a fan. So you've never tried the deep fried butter? I haven't tried the deep fried butter. I haven't tried any of the the deep fried coke. I didn't know they even did deep fried coke. Good lord. Yeah, I don't know if they still have that. I know that they've they've had that before, but yeah, I've just um, I guess you know some year I need to I need to really experience the uh, the state fair because I haven't I haven't gone all in on on doing that. But um, on the Max Duggan topic, that guy has played like a superstar against Texas, and uh, he played like he was playing against Texas. Last he did. Week. He did. Uh, that that sixty-seven yard touchdown run that was reminiscent of the. 
the, the 2020 game against Texas. And uh, little, thankfully, we don't have to worry about him for a few more weeks. Um, it feels like the Big 12 is not as bad as we thought it was going into this season, but I feel like we always do that every year. Yeah, some you know some surprises. TCU is a surprise. Kansas is a surprise. Those two teams will be playing on Saturday. Um, certainly, the you know strong argument that's the most important game. Uh, it's not even going to be the the game in the Cotton Bowl with two teams that are that are three and two. So um, you know, strange development there. But um, that's the uh, the nature of the Big Twelve landscape this year, which. Uh, looks pretty wide open past Oklahoma State, which is, you know, the one yeah. team that I think has really been, um, you know, had high expectations and so far has been uh, playing at that level so far. But, you know, certainly a lot of question marks for them to answer if they're, you know, quite as good as their weight uh, ranking over the coming weeks as well. So the wrap up and the finish, you're taking Texas minus seven. That's your yeah, official I'm taking, prediction. I'm taking Texas to cover. All right. What could go wrong? Because I'm with you. I'm taking I take some minus seven. I mean, if this if they don't win Monday, we may have to go in the witness protection because I, I don't want to jinx it. But every, every every angle I've looked at, I don't see how Texas wins this game. But we'll be back uh, Monday to recap the 118th red. River Showdown. Make sure you check out burnorangenation.com for all the great content and coverage of Texas OU Week. Like, subscribe, and you can listen to the Winning is Hard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. Wes Scott, get a corn dog for me this weekend, will you? <laughs> I'll do that. Winning's hard. Really, really hard.